Hey everybody, welcome to the Mini Break by Cracked Rackets, your daily podcast for storylines, results, and controversy in the tennis world. Today is Thursday, May 9th, and we're here for another pod in which we'll be covering a few different topics, but mainly the Madrid Open. My name is Jamie McDonald, and I'll be your host for today's action, and with me is my Wednesday regular, but we're making the Thursday appearance this time. Don't worry, you're not listening to the same episode twice. It's Matt Stachowiak I've got with me. How's it going? <laughs> What's going on, Jamie? Two nights in a row, man. I mean, I know. it definitely feels a little bit different, but... Uh, it's going to be a fun one, man. I mean, once again, we got a lot to talk about, so I'm looking forward to it. For sure. You know, maybe we'll see how this goes, but maybe we just every night, it's just you and me. You down <laughs> for that? Every, seven nights? Okay. Seven nights a week, man. We're going to, I mean, what, you know, Gruskin who? I mean, we're, yeah, I right. mean, we can, we can just take over. Now, well, plugs for him. Gruskin is very, very busy himself. He is on the podcast grind, as you guys know, 24-7 concurrently recording Cracked Interviews and GSP, so that guy's going to have content for you too. So if you somehow enjoy his voice, you know, don't worry. He's churning out stuff for you as we speak. Um, but let's get right into it. We had another great day of tennis, and just like we did yesterday, I think that the most fun sort of or interesting storylines to look at first start on the women's side. The top seeds are just dominating. Osaka, Kvitova, and Halep, so they're the one, two, and three in this, lost a combined 11 games today. How insane is that? Yeah, that's interesting, right? I mean, usually when we think of the women's game, there's actually more parity than there sure, is on the men's exactly. side. You know, we're used to seeing more upsets. So, you know, the fact that the top seeds are are all just cruising, I mean, that's that's a little bit different, something that we're not quite used to seeing. But it just goes to show you that, you know, those top players, once once their games are on and they're feeling it, I mean, they have a different level to go to. It's just, you know, a lot of times they don't bring it. And that's where we see upsets happen all the time on the women's side but so far it's been uh, a lot of chalk and I will say it's interesting too so we're, we're used to the inconsistency at least in results at the top a lot of times except when Serena has been around she was usually kind of like the steady rock you know True. you'd see the one next to her name and she was ripping through people yep but she's not in this conversation right now and yet still you've got Osaka winning two and three Halep oh and oh and Kvitova three and three I mean just all across the board that is dominance at the top Oh and oh man, I just I look at that score every time I see an O and O, I just wild. I just I, I just chuckle a little bit because it's just so hard to do that. I mean, I remember like even in junior tennis how difficult it is to beat somebody O and O. You know, and we're talking about the professional tour here. And and to see a score line like that at the professional level, it's just it's crazy. But it does happen. I mean, we see it every once in a while. So you remember the one you remember the one the one that sticks out to me, which was crazy, it was a couple years ago, it was like 2016, 2017, maybe. Gofen took out Burdich O and O. Yeah, I do remember and then that. Burdich just like fired people from his <laughs> yeah. camp. I was like, dude, first of all, Burdich. How do you not hold once? Like, I'm sorry. Like, how is that possible? Wasn't he coming off injury or something, though? I mean, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, he wasn't 100%, but still, come on. Get a game. Yeah. <laughs> I know, man. It's it's wild to see that. I mean, especially with a guy that can serve like that, you would think he's exactly. he's got to be able to hold once. But, I mean, we, we do see it. It's not unprecedented. So, you know. That's fair. That's definitely true. Well, you know, as we're talking about beatdowns, there were a couple very convincing and at least – a little bit surprising to start um, results on the men's side as we jump over there. Shardy took out Schwartzman 6-1-6-2. That is just insane to me in and of itself. But also Fonini, I mean, granted, he's been having some success on the clay, no doubt about it, gets through a match 6-2-6-2 over Millman. I mean, what do we think of those results? Yeah, that's that's a little bit odd. I mean, those are two guys, Schwartzman and Millman, that 
you know, we know as grinders. I mean, they don't typically right. lose. Exactly. They don't typically lose matches by those score lines. I mean, they're always in tight matches, even if they happen to drop and and lose the match. So, yeah, I that's interesting. I mean, they just they didn't quite show up, you know, to the level that they needed to. And I mean, credit to Shardy and Fognini. I mean, they showed up and played well. Those guys, we know they're talented. So, um, sure. you know, it's not a complete shock, but. You know, we're not used to seeing score lines, you know, that are 6-2 sets all around and a 6-1 set in there for, for Schwartzman. So, yeah, that's definitely yeah. a little eye-opening. Yeah, and well, as we move down the list as well, Verdasco, Hatchinov, I know you and I talked about this one last night. This is one that I sort of earmarked as going to be a really, really good match. And luckily, you know, as they always do, I'm always right. No, I'm kidding. But this <laughs> one did turn out to be a great match. Verdasco comes out on top 6-7-6-1-7-5, you know. The veteran Spaniard, you know, on the home soil comes out on top. But to me, the story here is not necessarily just the veteran Verdasco getting it done. It's just, for me, this is a type of win Hatchinov just, he just has to get this to get to that next level in his career. He does. He definitely does. And and we were seeing him produce results like this more last year, right? I mean, that's yeah. when we really thought he was going to come on and, and maybe jump into that top 15, top 10 conversation this year. But it's kind of gone the other way. He's just he's it's he's, weird, yeah. He's taken a step back this year. There's no doubt about it. And you know, I I don't know if it's you know mental or or physical, whatever it is. He's just his game is not at the level that we've seen it before, and it's not at the level that he needs to be to to be one of those you know top top players in the world. So yeah, he he's got to get something corrected. It's just been too many early losses in yeah. in tournaments this year, but. You know, I look at Verdasco, man, and this guy just, he keeps rolling too. I mean, these veteran Spaniards, I mean, we've talked a lot about them, right? What is it with right. with Spanish players that are in their mid-30s that just don't go anywhere? I mean, they're they're playing well. And, and I will say this, though, to cut you off, sorry. Lopez, though, the tournament director. That is he's got to be out on the court. I'm not in a. I mean, granted, he's already good looking <laughs> enough, but he's got the he's got the button down and the blazer on. It's like, whoa, hey, where'd you go, man? You're supposed to be playing this. Yeah, look, we we know that he could still lay some up. I exactly. mean, he, that there's no question about it. If Ferdasco's doing it and Ferrer's doing it, Bautista, sure. you know, Lopez can do it. So yeah, yeah, I mean, he's you know, some of those guys probably look up and see him sitting there, and they're like, hey, man, get your butt on the court. Exactly. But, uh, yeah, all those guys, man, they're, talk about longevity, the Spaniards, man. No, you're absolutely right. Well, and, you know, as we move down, the Spaniard with what we would say exceptional longevity, Nadal taking out Felix Aji Aliasim. You know, I know we talked a little bit about this one. I, I was kind of – I think I was more in the camp that this wasn't going to be as competitive. I just wasn't convinced. But, I mean, I think we saw good things from FAA in this match, but – it's just Nadal and Madrid. Yeah, I I thought that it was going to be a little bit tighter to be honest. Based what I had, based off of what I had seen from Nadal the last couple tournaments and what I had seen out of FAA for that matter, I thought the scoreline was maybe going to be a little bit tighter. But Nadal played well in this match. He really did. He 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 took control. He was more aggressive. He was really able to get his his topspin forehand up on that backhand of Felix to that backhand yeah. side. And that pattern was working really well for Rafa. 
And yeah, I mean, it was a, a pretty routine three and three scoreline for Rafa. Yeah, and that, you know, was. that's good to see. And it wasn't perfect by any means. I, I saw some things that, you know, he could still clean up and we'll see how that goes as the tournament progresses. But overall, I think Rafa would, would probably say that he was fairly happy with his performance. I think so. And I think one thing that I saw, at least on FAA's side here, is just there were some critical times where, I mean, he just he just stacked too many unforced errors in a row. And honestly, a lot of times, like you said, yeah, when Nadal was controlling the point, look, he, he was doing what he's done for years in his career, rolling that heavy ball to the backhand. You know, that's that's just tried and true Rafa Nadal on clay. But really, there were a lot of times where Felix's forehand, you know, he would stack up some errors in a row. And it's like, man, you can't be doing that against Nadal, and this isn't going to end well. Gets broken early in the second set, and, and that was pretty much the match. Yeah, that's true. And, you know, it's tough. I mean, obviously, me and you, we don't know what it's like to play against Rafa. I, I wouldn't really um, want to no. know. But, <laughs> it, you know, for Felix, it, you know, he's feeling – he feels the pressure. You know, those forehand errors sure. come from him trying to press a little bit because he knows that Rafa's back there and he's going to track every ball down. And it's just – it's a tough position to be in, right? You know, I – the errors aren't good, but at the same time, it's like, you know, how are you going to beat Nadal? You do kind of have to, you have to hit some of those shots. I guess you just have to hope that they're falling on that day. And and Felix just, he didn't make enough of them. That's definitely fair. That's definitely fair. But I'm sure as the tournament goes on, we will have plenty of chances to talk about Nadal. So let's move on. Her catch taking out Pui, 7-5-6-1. Tsitsipas taking out Manorino, 6-2-7-5. Tiafo, the American rolls, taking out Cole Schreiber, 6-4-3-6-6-3. Another big win for Francis. Love that. Yes, that's huge. I mean, Cole Schreiber, we've talked about his consistency, you know, over multiple pods. That guy's the consummate pro. Mm-hmm. Tiafo on clay, I mean, to me, that's just that's a big that's a big win. I mean, rankings wise, you know, Cole Schreiber may not be at the top of the game, but to me, that's just a big step for Francis. So that was that was great because Cole Schreiber, he's just that guy that's going to come every single match. He's not going to give you anything easy. You really have to earn it to beat him. And and Francis was able to do that on the dirt, you know, which obviously is is not a preferred surface for Tiafo. So yeah, awesome. But unfortunately now he's uh, he's got a date with Mr. Nadal. So. Yeah, it's a tough scene there. But hey, you know what? We'll see. We'll see. What you happens. never know. Uh, but moving on to another three-setter we had, Del Potro. Unfortunately for him, he goes out to Jerry. Uh, Jerry beats him 6-3-2-6-7-5. You know, this one was a little surprising. I mean, of course, Del Potro, he's just coming back and whatnot. But, you know, when I saw them at the end, <clears throat> excuse me, regardless of what happened in the beginning of this match, when I saw him coming out and it was deep into the third and it was tight, I thought, okay, Juan Martin, he's got this. You know, he's he's the veteran here. He's got the experience, and he knows what it's like to win these big matches. He's going to come out on top. And I was just a little disappointed at the end of this match. Yeah, it's definitely disappointing to not have Delpo come through. But I, I, I did, to be fair, I, I did see some positive things that I liked out of Delpo. I, yeah. I think he can take some things out of this match. I mean, the way that he rebounded after losing that first set – I thought was good. He came came out of the blocks fast in that second set, put the first set behind him, and you know was able to take that set 6-2. And like you mentioned, I mean, the third set was razor tight. Could have really gone either way. He just didn't capitalize on some opportunities. Um, you know, again, he hasn't played in a while. So like you mentioned, he does know how to win those big matches. We know he can do it. It just, it's been a little while since he's been in that situation. So, you know, 
it's not the best result for him, but I mean, I, I think he can actually look at it in a pretty positive way and go into the next tournament saying, okay, you know, I got a match under my belt. I'm feeling pretty good. Yeah. It was tight. You know, I was able to do some positive things. So um, I think overall in the bigger picture for Delpo, I, I think he's going to be back on the right track. Yeah, I think that's fair. But, you know, when we talk about, you know, of course, a big man who can hit big, another guy who can hit big, Vavrinka taking out Pella, 6'3", 6'4". You know, that's not a result to brush off, brush off your Pella. Great clay quarter. Vavrinka really had to, you know, bring his A game, and he did. Takes him out three and four. You know, we'll talk about the, the matches that are upcoming, but Vavrinka's got a tough one now. But good to see Stan on the, on the winning side again, of course. Yeah, definitely. This was a big one. We hit on this one last night, I believe, um, mm-hmm. You know, Pella's been playing great. He's a tough clay yeah. court lefty. So for Stan to just get that win pretty convincingly straight sets, I mean, we know what Stan's capable of when he's hot. Yeah, so, I, sure. I, I mean, it's I, – I really enjoy watching Stan when he's when he's cooking. So uh, hopefully yeah. within these next few weeks heading into Roland Garros, he can keep elevating his play because, I mean, how cool would it be if, if Stan was kind of one of those dark horse – players yeah, at, the, at the French and, you know, comes out and makes a deep run there. It'd be fun to see. So yeah, yeah this is, you know, that's totally, that's, that's totally fair. I mean, you know me, I love watching Stan and yep. ripping the one handers. Um, he's one of the most electric players to watch when he's hitting big and they're dropping. So yep. absolutely rooting for that. But the man he's facing next, Nishikori ticked out, takes out Delian seven, five, seven, five. Monfi with the wacky scoreline loses the first set six one to Fuksovic, bounces back six four six two in the second two sets, and finally the sad one, Zverev takes out Ferrer <laughs> in his final match of the career six four six one. Oddly, Ferrer was up four one in that first set, um, and I remember when I looked at that score at first, I was like, "Wow, okay, we're yeah. doing well here." But uh, fortunately, Zverev, or unfortunately for Ferrer, Zverev just turned it on and. He was too good there. He, he he was, and you know Ferrer. I think he finally just he ran out of juice. I mean, you could see when he played yesterday against Bautista Agut. He had the trainer out there. He was he was really giving it everything he had, and he yeah, just that was a grueling. Match. It was a grueling match. He just didn't have enough left in the tank to actually pull this one out over over Zverev. And you know, from Zverev's point of view, I mean, it's a good win for him. He needs every win he can get right now. The confidence sure. hasn't been there so. You know, definitely sad for Ferrer, uh, but for Zverev, hopefully, hopefully this could be the tournament. I feel like I say this every week, but I mean, maybe this is the time where he can turn it around because, again, I've harped on this a lot, but but he needs to. He's he's too good. He's ranked too high. He's too talented of a player to be, you know, having some of the results that he's been having. So. Um, yeah, let's. Well, he's got a he's got a dangerous one next round. We'll get into it, but he's he is a tough one for sure yeah. next round. So we'll we'll see who he's lined up against in a bit. But you know, it it would be disrespectful for us to to breeze on through this yep. last result and not talk about Ferrer. Um, and you know, one thing that was really interesting to me too, I, I got a chance luckily to watch this one and definitely watch the end with the retirement ceremony. Unfortunately, I'm not fluent in Spanish, so it was, a bit of it was certainly <laughs> lost on me. Um, but the crowd was was very emotional and loved um, every minute of that. But I will say one thing. I think, I mean, maybe you could disagree. I think Zverev was kind of the perfect last person to play him. You know, it was like a bit of a passing of the torch in that regard. You know, Zverev, 
talked about how much, and he's, he said it multiple times, but of course he had to list it here as well, that he idolized Ferrer growing up, you know, so much younger here. He even, I don't know if you saw on social media, he, uh, I think it was his Instagram post, he even talked about how Ferrer, you know, got to beat him down uh, back in Germany a few years ago in front of Zverev's home crowd. And, you know, he made, he made some nice comments about, you know, hey, you showed me what it took to be a top five player. And, um, everybody on tour appreciates that grit and tries to incorporate into that game. And so I, I thought it was a fairly fitting last match. Yeah, yeah, I can agree with that for sure. Yeah, but I mean, it was, let's talk about just Ferrer. I mean, David Ferrer, I think, so. I, I don't know who to credit, so maybe I'm doing someone some sort of injustice here, but uh, David Ferrer, David in an era of Goliaths. What do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, that's just... That's really, man, that is what it is. I mean, he played in an era with, you know, the the greatest players we've ever seen in the sport, right? And he accomplished, I feel like he accomplished pretty much everything that he could have. He maximized every single ounce of, of himself. And, you know, for me, that's what I'll always remember this guy, you know, by is just when I'd watch him play, you know that you were going to get his best effort. And that, you know, I can really appreciate he just brought his lunchbox, man, day in, day out. He was not a big guy. He had to do it the hard way. He just had to grind out matches. But, man, I mean, you look at some of his accomplishments. I mean, 27 singles titles. He was number three in the world for what seemed like forever, right? I mean, it was like Federer, Nadal, and Ferrer was right behind those guys. He was always around. He was yeah. always <laughs> around in that top four, you know, three, four in the world. He was there no matter what. He was just so consistent. And, you know, he would get overlooked a little bit because we had, you know, Roger and we had Rafa. But, I mean, this guy was right behind him. He was in every tournament. He would make deep runs in in every single event. Nobody wanted to play him because they knew that they were going to have to play their absolute best tennis to beat him. And, yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll always remember the guy. I mean, I enjoyed every time he was on the court because I just appreciated the fact that he would give it everything he had every time out. And, you know, you know, there's some For guys, sure. I won't mention any names, but I mean, there's some players <laughs> these days that, you know, we, we don't see that to be fair. So, of course, of you know, course. I'm, I'm more of, uh, I, I appreciate the guys that, that give it that 110% effort every time. So yeah, he, he's the man, yeah. little, little, Absolutely. little beast for air. Absolutely. Well, and you know, and you run down some of the, some of the accomplishments, just because I think he deserves that. Like you said, 27 singles titles. He got up to number three in the world. You know, I don't think there's any doubt that he would have been higher and had more accomplishments had he not been in an era of such greats. But you know, even if he wasn't three or four in the world, man, he was always knocking on that door, especially in that 2011, 2012, 2013 period yep. where he had some great runs in majors. I mean, he was always there. Three Davis Cup team wins. He got to the finals of the French and uh, Tour and finals. Semis of Aussie twice and the U.S. Open twice and quarterfinals of Wimbledon. Had some amazing stretches of reaching consecutive quarters and majors. I mean, this guy was just always around. And he, truly, I mean, even though, yeah, he's not the very top. He wasn't Djokovic, Nadal, Federer, an absolute staple of this sort of generation of tennis. Um, and so I guess for me, some of the commentators on Tennis Channel were talking, like, when you're looking at this guy's career, does he have a Hall of Fame career? I was actually thinking about this earlier, and I was because I one of them said no, and I was because well, they were like, "Yeah, sadly, doesn't mean he has a Hall of Fame career." So I just didn't know if you had a take on it. Off the I bat. my take is it's going to be close, and I could, 
I wouldn't be shocked if it went it went either way. I, so I can understand. I don't I don't know who that was that said no, but whoever whoever said that is they they have a point because. I mean, it's for me, I think it's getting harder and harder to get into the hall now. I mean, it's taking, you know, more and more accomplishments. You know, he never did win a major. He, he didn't win a major. He, he did pretty much everything else. I mean, you just, you look at the whole body of work. I, I don't know if, if it's going to be enough to get in. I mean, if he does get in, I'll, I'll be happy. I, I It'll be well-deserved. I, I would agree with that. I think he, he should be. Uh, but... Again, if if he doesn't, you know, I'm not going to be I'm not going to question that all that much either. I'm not going to be super upset because I can I can understand if he didn't make it in. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, I, I understand that. I think I can't remember. Hopefully I'm not saying wrong. I think Brett Haber was the one who initially said that um, on Tennis Channel today. But it's one of those things where you look at it and it really just depends, you know, how whoever decides on all this. Um, how they weight all the different things at play here. I mean, because not only is just an icon, but just in the singles titles alone, I mean, look at someone who recently got put in, like Safin, who, yeah, so he's got what, titles? He won Grand Slam titles. He won one, the Aussie in the U.S. Yep, Open, I think. Yes, one apiece. Two majors. Um, but his career singles titles, I mean, has to be has to be lower. I think it's at 15. Yeah. His 15 singles titles, I mean, Ferrer's almost doubling that. I mean, where, where, how do you it, put that and compare that to, you know, fellow inductees? I don't know. Well, I, I just feel like there, there's got to be, I mean, I think there, there should be heavy weight placed on, on majors. I mean, that's I just, fair. I, no, that's definitely fair. I, I think it's fair. So I think they do need to weigh that more so than, than other titles. Um, you know, so for, for example, for a guy like Safin, I mean, two, two major, multiple grand slams. I mean, you're, you're in, in my opinion, you've, you've, you've exceeded what pretty much everybody in the sport can do by winning more than one slam. You should almost automatically be in. So Ferrer, he, he didn't get there, man. I mean, that, that's why it's tough. It's just, it's a hard yeah. call. And I'm glad that I don't have to be the one to make that call. Yeah, well, let's put it this way. I I certainly hope he does get in because, I mean, I think just in general, like I said, he is an icon of this generation of tennis. And, you know, the body of work to me um, is impressive enough, but also just the reputation that he brought. Um, I don't know. I think is really important to the game. And so I, I, I do hope that he gets in. Like I said, of course, we're not making these decisions. Maybe I do wish and I could just put him in. <laughs> but um, no, no, I mean, I, I hope that, you know, Ferrer has a great retirement and, you know, it, it was a great retirement ceremony as well. You know, of course he had his wife and kid up there and, um, you know, he was sad to go of course, but you know, his, his farewell tour has been very well documented out. He knew exactly what he was doing. He was leaving the bandana on every yep. last court that he played on. And, um, you know, he, he certainly knows how to make people emotional with his goodbye. We'll, we'll say that. But, you know, if listeners, if you got a chance to listen in or, or watch, you saw all of the incredible things other players on the tour, both men and women, had to say about him and, you know, how he inspired their games. And so um, certainly a great, great player is now missed from the tour, um, but he will certainly not be forgotten. Yep. Completely agree, man. Absolutely not. He's... Uh... The little beast, man. That's that's what we got to call him. The little beast Ferrer. Exactly. He's, he, he was the man. <laughs> exactly. Well, unfortunately, with him out of the draw, opens us up to now talk about the matches that are going to be 
uh, squaring off tomorrow. I mean, there's a lot of good ones out here. And like we've talked about, there's always good ones when it comes to a Masters 1000s or Premier Event a tournament. But Shardy Djokovic, Chilich Jere, Federer, Federer Monfi, Team Fonini, Vavrinka Nishikori, Tiafo Nadal, Herkatch Svera, Tsitsipas Verdasco. Initial thoughts, what are the couple matches out of those that you think you need to watch? Well, I mean, the first one that jumps out is obviously Tiafo Nadal, right? I mean, the last the last yeah. American standing against Rafa on clay. I mean, that's obviously that's super intriguing. I got to see how that one plays out. Um, sure. I mean, to be fair, I I I definitely I, I'm not picking Tiafo. I'll tell you that I'm going to go with Nadal in that one. But I, I'll be rooting for Francis. I really hope that he could he could pull that off. I mean, that would be massive. But I just I think it's going to be really tough in Spain in Madrid. On the dirt, oof, it's just it's, – Yeah, that's tough. It's a tall order, but I, I'll watch it, and hopefully it's a great match, and, and we can see some good tennis there. And, I mean, for me, always – you know, I may sound like a broken record. Gruskin would say this, but um, Federer, Monfils, obviously, whenever Fed plays, I'm, I'm tuning in. I have to watch him, especially since we haven't seen him on clay in a while. So every match that he plays – you know, over the next couple of weeks is going to be super interesting to watch. And, you know, Monfils is one of those guys that can always cause problems if he's playing well. So I think it's going to be an interesting match. But with the way that Federer looked uh, yesterday, I... With Gasquet. With Gasquet. I I just, I I have to like his chances in this matchup with Monfils. I mean, Monfils is going to play defensive. He's going to be well behind the baseline. Federer's going to have his opportunities. And if he just, if he plays well and takes advantage, he's going to win this match. So... Um, yeah. you know, overall his record, I think against Gael Monfils is, is, I mean, yeah. ridiculous. He's, he's doing all he's right. He's doing all right. So, um, I look for Federer to take that one as well, but those two out of all of them are, are super interesting to me. Yeah. Can't argue with any of that. I think that Tiafo Nadal, definitely a tall order. I mean, Nadal, look, Tiafo, I will say, I respect, I mean, when he goes up against these big guys, I mean, you remember, I think it was. Uh, was it the U.S. Open when he faced off against Federer a few years, a couple years ago? Mm-hmm. Um, and he came ready to play a five-setter. And you know, when he has these big guys, he comes ready to play. But you know, remember back in the Aussie, Aussie Open, um, Nadal took him out fairly routinely, yeah. um, straight sets, three, four, and two, yep. I believe. But um, and of course, now we're we're on the clay and in Spain, so only gets tougher from there. But yeah, I mean. Got to watch it anyway. It's the American left. Um, for me, ones I'm going to be watching specifically, Team Fonini and Vavrinka Nishikori. I think Team Fonini is just a ton of fun. Anytime you have Fonini, especially on the clay with the way he's been playing, you know, there are going to be some huge ground strokes in this match. Yep. Um, and so that's that's entertaining enough for me to watch right there. And then Vavrinka Nishikori, I mean, I think this, to me, I think the, the main reason I'm watching this one is this is a test for Stan. You know, like, hey, you got through the rounds, like, yeah, you should be beating them. Now you're at Nishikori, you know. And, you know, K. Nishikori is not an easy out, especially, you know, on this surface. Right now, Nishikori's looked pretty good. You know, not his best, but Vavrinka has certainly not looked his best either. So this is going to be a battle for Vavrinka. And if he can get through this one, especially if he can get through this one in straights, that's a very, very good sign to, you know, seeing Stan well on his way back. Yeah, I agree. I, I like both of those matches as well. I'm going to try to watch as much as I can. Um, yeah, Nishikori is going to be tough for Stan. I mean, Stan's going to have to play aggressive and he's going to have to play at a really high level and cut down on his unforced errors because Nishikori is going to be all over the place. So 
Uh, yeah. I think we got some good ones on the, on the schedule for yeah. tomorrow. It, it looks great. Oh, and I round of I sixteen glossed over. Oh, I glossed over her catch Zverev. That's a big one too. I mean, Zverev. That that's going to be a tough match for him. You know, like you said, Zverev hasn't looked you know his best, and he really needs to get on it. Yeah, her catch. That's going to be tough because he's looked very. very I mean, good. but that's a match that Zverev needs to win. I mean, it's yeah, two. He needs to it, win. It's two yep. next gen guys, two young guys. If if he wants yep. to be the top top player in the world, he's got to prove it. This is a perfect time for him to to get through this and and make a quarterfinal in a Masters thousand. I think he needs he needs to get it done. Yep. No, I think you are absolutely right. But we will leave it right there for now. Listeners, thank you for tuning in, um, for dealing with myself and Matt Stokowiak for not just one day, but two days in a row here. <laughs> Hopefully we'll be able to give you a break from the mini break here and get our voices off um, come the next episode. But Matt, I want to thank you for joining me once again. And what do we say to our listeners? That's a break. All right. And we'll see you guys next time. 